Paolo Tevez, Tevez da solo, Tevez, Tevez, Tevez al limite dell'area, rimane fuori tutti Tevez! Hello and welcome back to More Than A Game, a podcast dedicated to the Premier League, the A-League and more. Today on the show, the A-League finals kick off with fans spellbound by a small ute and mystified by a poorly timed ad break. As the Premier League paused before the final two match days, Klopp might be hoping the magic of the Cups is enough as hopes of a league title vanishes. And the Wizard of Oz leaves Celtic a champion in a great weekend for Aussie managers. I'm your host, Colby. And here with me to take you behind the curtain, we've got Jesse Farmer. How are you, mate? Mate, it's good to be back. I mean, gee whiz, it's been a while since my last pod, so um, I'm just fizzing to be back on. I feel like it's been a, uh, a while between my last pod as well. I think I've had a couple of weeks off. So, yeah, we're, we're feeling fresh off the bench. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. For sure. <laughs> Dusting off the cobwebs. Uh, hey, Jesse, uh, moment of the week, mate. I mean, I can't go past the FA Cup. I mean... You know, it would be remiss of me uh, on a on a pod where both of us, being Liverpool fans, have got the floor today. So, I mean, I have to say the FA Cup. I mean, I mentioned before we went recording that um, I went to bed early, got up and watched it, and then went back to bed afterwards. And uh, it was hard to go. It was hard to go back to sleep for a while. I was I was pretty pumped. Um, so, yeah, very pleased. Yeah, and for anyone who didn't see it, um, it was uh, just like the Carabao Cup. It was another nil-nil after extra time. Um, this time with Liverpool winning at six-five on pens, as opposed to um, what did they win at eleven-ten or something like that in the Carabao? Wasn't crazy. So yeah, similar affair. And um, yeah, what a what a moment for Liverpool. We won't labour on it too long, listeners. Um, not the not the Liverpool podcast, but yeah, what a moment for the club and and for Klopp, first manager in Liverpool history to win the the top flight league title, Champions League, um, EFL Cup and FA Cup. So yeah, he's got the set now. Um, it was a, it was a good game. I'm glad I uh, watched it in full this morning rather than stayed up for it. Though I think it would have been a bit painful at like yeah. four a.m. in the morning whenever it finished. So they they never do it easy, and it was just I just was like grabbing various items of like pillows and blankets on the couch and things and just like had to cover my eyes at times because it was just both teams um seemed to be allergic at finishing chances for most of the 90 minutes and they had so many chances that just missed yeah. the post and it was oh like the to all the people who went to the imperial here in melbourne but at various other pubs around australia and watched it live i mean i i take my hat off to you because uh, i was this nervous wreck just by myself so i can imagine what it was like at a pub Diaz and Pulisic looked like they each could have had like a hat trick, I reckon, in this game. But um, the one of the one of the big headlines or, or big stories coming out of the game for me was Salah's injury. Um, do you do you know much about that? Jesse is in he's at least in doubt for the next game of the Premier League, which is not great for Liverpool's uh, you know sort of thin title hopes. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was playing it down afterwards, saying that it was a groin issue, but he wasn't sure. You know, of course, the the docs hadn't looked at him yet, so um, I guess they're still in the process of figuring out if it's serious or not. But I think it would definitely rule him out for the most likely for Southampton, and whether or not he plays against Wolves is a question mark. But I guess everyone's focus now is the Champions League final because the chances of the league are very, very slim. So I think the focus has got to be making sure he's fit for that. 
look, my, I've got a few moments of the week. I, I mentioned in the intro, um, definitely wanted to give a nod to the Aussies at Celtic. Obviously, Ange's Celtic have officially won the league now. Ange is a champion of Australia, Asia, Japan, Scotland, Asia, obviously, the Socceroos Asian Cup title. Um, that's you know, great for him. A lot of people um, didn't fancy him in Scotland coming in and um, a, a lot of people, a lot of Aussies on soccer Twitter kept the receipts, so that was good to see. Uh, Tom Rogic as well played his last game for Celtic after announcing that he'd be leaving the club at the end of the season um, and he got that farewell at their last game of the season at Parkhead um, in front of a, a pretty um, adoring crowd. Um, yeah, getting getting to sort of sub off for the last time as a Celtic player and he looked pretty emotional as well. He's been at the club for nine years. I didn't realise it had been that long. Like he's won, like they were tweeting about his records and stuff. He's won six league titles, five Scottish Cups. Uh, and five league cups as well. So he's won a heap of silverware there and he's been there for almost a decade. Yeah, I I had no idea doing that for that long either. Um, And I also just, I guess, because I don't follow Australian football as closely as you guys, I I didn't sort of realise how, um, I wouldn't just say fan favourite, but how deeply sort of regarded he is in the club because you could see it was a big send-off and he he got the send-off that he deserves. So it's... Really nice to see that, and I I know that he's you know he won't be a sort of a one club man, but I do think that it's great seeing players that stick around for longer than just a couple of years. Mm. Well, especially in this day and age, and when you know when we've got Australian football here with people on like one year contracts every year, and the end of the season, like guys are just playing for contracts <laughs> every yeah, year. Exactly. But it's, yeah, it's nice to see um, building up a bit of a history at a club, and um, I think fans really appreciate that. A um, couple of other small ones from me. Um, one is the the victory fans who went to the City game on the last game of the season in an attempt to spoil um, City's Premier's plate party. Um, I thought that was great. I, I think a lot of people didn't like this, but uh, I didn't mind it. And um, they interviewed um, Jamo after the game, and he was like, "Yeah, it's it's healthy for the rivalry," and he didn't mind it as well. And I think I think that is um, a very good thing, and it's. Yeah, it's it's great for our rivalries as we build history in this competition. So I liked that. Tom, Tommy went to the game. I think I was going to ask him if uh, if uh, anyone knee slided in front of the victory fans. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre that would be when victory is not even playing. But uh, yeah, love to see it. And a little commentary moment of the week. I've been loving um, Robbie Thompson on the on the comms in the A League. He's he's done both of the elimination finals now. Um, seems to just be going from strength to strength. And it's his first season um, calling the league here in Australia. And I think he's done a really good job. So, Yeah. And I just get this overwhelming feeling that, you know, at halftime, I want to, I want to have some scones and tea. Uh, <laughs> just, just when I listen to his voice, it's just so, I mean, it's so civilized. It's so proper. And uh, it, yeah, it, it, he's impressed me as well. He still puts a bit of mayo, like weird mayo on some of like the names as well. Like he was calling the Adelaide game tonight and he was saying, it's a yes. Yeah, <laughs> like really, really going hard on the yas. <laughs> I mean, you know, it keeps you engaged. You know, you, just when you think that you're sort of going into an autopilot, he, he he throws out a zinger like that, and that gets you back back in the game. Pulls me in. I was um pottering around in the kitchen, and I just hear him screaming, and I just like come running back to my screen to to keep watching. Um, but what haven't you liked this week, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, last week, Damo, um, you know, threw Klopp under the bus and talked about how he always complains about uh, other teams' tactics. And, you know, I'm not going to not gonna bite any more than that. But what I will say is that there was another manager this week that had a shocker in a press conference, and uh, that was Arteta uh, after the North London derby. Um, fans will recall that that was, 
think Friday morning Australian time and uh, so only a couple of days ago and he uh you know after Rob Holding first and second of his name um who decided to you know have an absolute meltdown and, and elbow son in the head after he was sent from the field and and then there was the penalty decision as well Artesta after the game just you know did did the classic Mourinho I cannot speak otherwise I'll be fine so, you know, <laughs> and just you know I if he was trying to deflect from his players there's there's various strategies that coaches use now but at the, at the end of the day he just made himself look like an ass because the the officials weren't to blame for that loss um spurs just wanted it more and uh arsenal's arsenal were just you know they were their own worst enemies in that regard and their the ill discipline is actually becoming a bit of a problem so i think he needs to take responsibility for that rather than just throwing the uh, referees under the bus yeah, it's never a good look. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of coming down to the wire now. And Arsenal, um, we're in the box seat uh, for a, a spot in the top four, so the, the pressure's really on now. So you can see where it comes from. I I have to give a shout out to um, this Channel Ten um, oh. <laughs> going into an ad break uh, and missing a goal during the elimination final that we just saw this afternoon before recording this pod. Um, I think and we'll talk about this a little bit more in the match review, but I think there was supposed to be a substitution. But then for some reason, not clear to me yet, because it's so soon after the match is finished, not clear why the substitution didn't happen, but there was supposed to be a substitution. The the commentators, I was watching it on Paramount Plus, and the commentators were like, oh, okay, we're going to an ad now. Commentary stopped, but then the, the play kept going, and I was thinking, oh, this is weird, but okay. Yeah, next minute, goal gets scored. And I thought, oh, I reckon the, the people on Channel 10 have missed a goal here. And, yeah, sure enough, um, soccer Twitter was uh, blowing up, as you might expect. And Channel 10 pretty swiftly issued an apology. And the tweet is just doing numbers. Like, people are quote tweeting it. Soccer Twitter just raging in the comments. Um, but, yeah. Which goal, it's almost, which goal was it, it? It was the second goal. So it was an important goal in the game. It was um, for Yengi's goal. So it was mm. early in this, you know, sort of early to midway through the second half. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, still still a lot to play for in, in the game. Um, but, yeah, almost as if running ads during open play, not a great idea. But um, Oh, that's, that's, that's just, that would have made my blood boil if that was, you know, a team I, I followed. I, I was watching it on Paramount Plus. So when you, when you raise that, and also, um, I saw it on Twitter. I, I didn't understand what was going on at first. And it's funny because, you know, some of our friends watch it on 10 and I've always watched the stuff on Paramount. And it's amazing the difference in experience you can get uh, just between the two of them. Yeah. I, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say there was a, there was a mix-up with the substitutions. But um, if, if the sub doesn't go on, I guess you just don't push the button for the ad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how simple or complicated it is behind the scenes, but um, seems pretty simple to my um, uninformed brain. Mm. Um, and another one, this was a little bit further away, but Argentina pulling out of the, the Super Classico that was uh, scheduled to be played in Melbourne on the 11th of June after like a lot of the allocation, a lot of the ticket allocation has been sold for that. So, um, Jesse, who's going to be more disappointed, people who had tickets or, or soccer Twitter who miss out on six weeks of smashing a sold-out plastic football theatre spectacle? Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the the anti-Euro snobs would have just been absolutely licking their lips for this one. Uh, or should I say South American snobs? Um, but no, the I, I'm, I've always found this kind of, maybe I'm looking at it from a pessimistic point of view, but I kind of always thought this would be canned. 
and I wasn't surprised to see it canned because there were so many murmurs that uh, I can't remember if it was Argentina that was, I think it was Argentina that was the one that was really lobbying to not do it. Whereas Brazil had said they would do it. I think that's the right way around. Uh, so there was always a feeling of like, if one of them didn't want to do it, then they weren't going to do it. And I just think mm. that it's terrible that they released the tickets and, and pushed on uh, without it actually being fully confirmed. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure if, if the government had been given more assurance behind the scenes that it was going to happen, but it ends up with a lot of egg on the face. So don't, don't know how, how much it was locked in, but geez, they've like, they've sold a lot of tickets for it. So, um, and, and obviously this comes after the withdrawal of Rangers from this Sydney super cup that was planned for this, um, Celtic preseason tour or postseason tour. Should organisers think twice before organising these international exhibition matches in the future, or do you think that this is just circumstantial to these two? I mean, are we looking at a situation now where Australia is lava? Because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just no one seems to want to come and play a game here, which, I mean, I've thought for some time, I mean, we'll see this, I guess, to some degree with the Olympics and things, but I, I think that this would be a magnificent place for, the, for a World Cup. Uh, so there's so much potential here for, for sport and we've got good sporting venues, but the fact that teams don't even want to come and play a, a friendly or a neutral or even like a mini cup. I mean, we are going to see a couple of Premier League teams come later in the year. So, you know, we will have, I think it's Leeds and uh, Aston Villa going at it in Brisbane, I think Colts, but, but apart from that, they're really struggling to, to hang on to these fixtures. So it's not great. And also the fact that it's kind of happened in the same kind of three or four month period. It's a bit of a double whammy with the Rangers situation as well. Love that. A couple of games uh, in Redcliffe. <laughs> um, yeah. My other own goal this week it does have to do with Redcliffe, though. Um, it was a. I spotted this in the Raw's last game of the season. Someone had um, taken a screenshot um, when watching this of the the teams coming down the tunnel at Dolphins, and as the teams are walking out, there's a an Auckland Warriors banner. It's like, what's that doing there? Um, like, it, it might seem like a bit of a small gripe, but, you know, they've like the Raw already playing in Redcliffe, which is not in Brisbane, and they're already playing in a stadium that's not their own. It's like you've got dolphins on the seats. You've got this rugby league paraphernalia everywhere. And, like, sure, you can't help a lot of that, and you are where you are, and you're leasing, and, you know, it's not, not ideal, but you're making the best of it. But, like, for a banner hanging in the tunnel, which is going to be caught on camera, it's such an easy fix, like, hang a raw banner over it. It just looks unprofessional. It's like that uh, that white van that's driving in the background in, in the first Lord of the Rings movie. You know, <laughs> <laughs> whoever was on the cutting desk. Edit it out, guys. Just, <laughs> whoever was on the cutting desk, you know, the massive dust cloud that formed in the background behind the hobbits should have been a clue, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, though. No, I, I yeah, I'm, I think the attention to detail might just need to be a bit better there. A uh, few discussion items, a uh, bit, bit of news and some listener questions, Jesse, before we get into the match reviews. Um, it's been confirmed that Dwight York is uh, set to manage the Mac Bulls next season. That was confirmed like pretty shortly this, this afternoon, just before we started recording, but it was already rumoured. Vince Regari was talking about it on Stan Sport this week and saying that it was pretty strongly rumoured. But, um, yeah, interesting. Uh, Dwight York's first managerial job, not counting the A-League All-Stars. <laughs> But um, what, what do you think about this? Um, obviously, storied international 
for Trinidad and Tobago, Manchester United, and then all the other clubs in, in England that he played for as well. But um, yeah, first managerial job. Yeah, it's huge. Um, yeah, it's a big moment for him. I mean, I I don't really know anything about his managerial like background, his badges, or nothing. I just I, I I mean, I know who he is, of course, but I've just got no idea about his his background. So uh, as far as what to expect for me, he's a bit of an unknown. I don't even know what the type of football that he he likes to likes to play. So I don't think I mean, he does either. <laughs> I mean, it, it, maybe he's going to figure it out. Maybe he's just played a lot of football manager, and he's like, I can do this. But um, you know, do you have any early early thoughts on it, Colby? I mean, do you think? Well, you know, I mean, there's there's this like I guess the debate really is like there's the big name on the one hand um, versus, uh, you know, big name but inexperienced versus um, someone who's not a big name but is experienced like a local. And that's what some people are sort of saying about it already. That's what the the sort of commentary has been about it on social media, people saying, oh, you know, you could have given a, an Aussie from the NPL a, a chance or a, a Kiwi coach or something like that. But, yeah, I'm not too sure. I think, like, I mean, it, like, there was a post on um, the Mac Bulls official Twitter, like just before this pod recorded, and um, it, it was doing big numbers as well. Like, and uh, I guess that's an indication of his profile. People know who he is, so I mean, that's got to be worth something. But um, at the end of the day, he's got to he's got to know how to manage them. So, Connor Metcalf has won the Alex Tobin Medal, pipping Anthony Caceres, who was they were tied on points, and Metcalf won it on the countback due to having more man of the match performances. Wow. I mean, I'm just devastated that, you know, my pick, Lecky, was, was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Demi Petrados, Damo's pick was nowhere near it as well. I think I picked um, Economides. Uh, yeah, don't, I think I was, I think he was pretty far away in the votes as well. So, yeah, we were all a bit off the mark, but I'm kind of surprised by Conor Metcalf. Very solid player, obviously, but um, I'm surprised, like, that he got, like, it's a Melbourne City player, first of all, and he, he got enough votes to win it given how stacked their team is and given how many other stars are in their team. That was exactly what I was going to say. I, I, I find it really, it's so rare to, for players of, to, to win those sort of things if they're in a team that's stacked, mm-hmm. unless, you know, they're an absolute mainstay. I mean, it sounds like the just sheer volume of minutes and consistent minutes has maybe got them across the line. And speaking of Petrados mentioned just a moment ago, the exodus has already started at the Wanderers. Um, the club confirmed a bunch of departures, including Petrados. It was during the Knicks and the Wu final. So I think they tried to like sneak out this announcement. Um, so Petrados, Tom Ahmed, Mejas, uh, Ziggy Gordon, uh, Kajiro Ogawa all leaving the club. Um, many of those names leaving their other A-League clubs to go to the Wanderers to win silverware. But uh, as it was... The Wanderers missed out on finals, and and these guys are all moving on. Would you take any of them at the Knicks? Any um, of those names appeal to you? Definitely not Hemet. You know, yeah, no, you yeah. wouldn't have him back. You wouldn't have him back. No, you, you can't just walk out of the Knicks and come crawling back. I mean, I don't really like him as a person, but he he tends to do a pretty good job on the pitch. Ziggy Ziggy Gordon. I've seen some games where he's just been an absolute pest and just constantly got 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 in there and won fouls and defended on the line and i think that surely if he joined any any club he'd, he'd have he'd add some value so i guess maybe he'd be a, somebody i'd look out for but i mean some of the others i mean the question is are they even going to stay in the a-league are they going to move somewhere yeah. else i highly doubt it like i mean 
I'd have Petrados back at the Raw, but I think, like, I mean, I get the feeling that Petrados will be off to UAE or, like, somewhere in the Gulf, um, you know, trying to get a big contract. Like, he's um, not getting any younger, and I, I think he'll he'll go for a, a, a money move somewhere if he can get it. But, yeah, uh, aside from those names, yeah, agree with what you said, Ziggy Gordon. None of the others are particularly fancy. Hamed, solid as well, but, again, the, the Raw can't afford him. Um, Magic Round, Jesse. We um, it, it's Magic Round in the NRL this weekend, and um, we were chatting about it in the group chat. And we've been talking, you know, it's been mentioned on this podcast by yourself once or twice about something that the A League should do. So, um, you know, it was a bit of a vibe this weekend in Brisbane, aside from the punch ups at the ground. But um, we decided to ask uh, our listeners on social media whether people thought um, or whether they would want to see a Magic Round in the A League, and um. I have to say, um, the the tweet got some traction, uh, and we um, we asked um, we asked the community on Reddit as well on the A League subreddit, and I'll, I'll read you out some of the answers that we got. So, like, just just paraphrasing some of the responses that we got, and it's the, the success of the NRL Magic Ground is situational. Members are going to miss out on a game. No, I don't want it, but it would be good to have it in preseason. No, I don't want it, but. Um, I'd like all games to be played on a single day at every team's own ground. No, I don't want it, but simultaneous kickoffs on the last day of the season, please. No, pitch won't hold up. No, football is too tribal. Probably one of the only ones in there which I think has some 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 legs is the is the pitch because I think that yeah it, ne- it needs to be a carpet for football. So I can I can I can see the point there. As far as the the simultaneous games. All played at once. I mean, I'm I'm in the I'm in the camp of wanting them all played at the same time on the final day. So I don't mm. think that necessarily has to mean that you can't have a magic round. I think it's like I think we we that's that's a separate thing that we should be lobbying for anyway. Yeah. Um, but as far as the other stuff, I mean, if they could find a way to make it work as far as the condition of the pitch, all things mm. considered, all things considered, we were talking about. You know, say this was based in in Bankstown and at the uh, sorry, not Bankstown, Bank West Stadium, uh, because of it being a new stadium and being a really nice place to watch football. As far as the shape of the ground, I mean, I can't see why this wouldn't be an enjoyable weekend for people because it's like an excuse to travel. I mean, a lot of people communicate and liaise with each other on social media from different states. They support different A League teams, so I can't understand why there's this the there's a need to sort of be like, oh no, we all have to play in separate states all the time. There are some people that would never travel that may travel because of this, because they'd be like, oh, I want to, I want to meet all these people that I've spoken to for years, but never met in person. So I think as a community, like I, I don't understand why people wouldn't be more interested in it. And one of the other comments I was making just on the end of that, I don't think this is so much about whether we want it. I think it's a more of a case of like, it's a matter of time before it happens because the other codes are doing it. And one thing we know in this country with codes being so competitive is that they can't watch two or three years of magic ground and then the super rugby do it without them being at least, you know, a few marketing people in the, in the A-League starting to think, think about doing it themselves. And you could combine it with the, uh, with the women's competition as well. There's no reason why you couldn't have a, a double, double header going on there. So I think it's got legs. I don't know what you think of yeah, the the pitch is a real threshold issue. When if, when a few people were raising that, I thought, yeah, that's a that's a good idea. Particularly if like there's been a bit of rain or something like that, it'd just be absolute chaos. But 
there are, to your point, there are a lot of grounds that it would be really good at. Um, Bank West's one, um, or whatever it's called now, Combank Stadium. Amy Park, obviously. Suncorp could host it, like, if there was enough interest in it as well. Like, yeah, there, there are grounds all around um, the, the country that would, um, would do it justice. And, yeah, it might get people interested in travelling for it again, a bit of a festival around it. But one of the caveats is it has to be, it has to be marketed right and it has to be done right. And I don't know whether I trust the A-Leagues mm. to, to do that at the moment. But, um, yeah, it's an idea worth exploring. And I was surprised by how quickly some people just completely shut down the idea. So I think, I mean, well, I don't know why I'm so surprised about close-mindedness of A-League supporters, but um, here we are. A couple more things. Uh, the FFA Cup, a.k.a. the Australia Cup, had some matches played um, this weekend as well or on Thursday and Friday. Um, the Raw came from behind to beat the Wanderers to progress to around a 32, thanks to goals from Cyrus Demi and an Ivanovic double. Um, the Jet, meanwhile, got up 3-1 over the glory in their playoff with Jordan Elsie finally getting to hit that emu celebration in earnest um, and Archie Goodwin also on the score sheet. So that's um, great to see some more uh, cup action here as well. Um, and just got a listener question from Dave Saves on Twitter. Um, it goes to the, the round, couple of rounds of A-League ago or the, sort of the final rounds of the regular season. Brisbane-specific question asking, are Brisbane's win over Sydney and Western Sydney an indication that there's something to build on for next season or did they just take the two teams that were already on holiday? I don't think Sydney FC were on holiday. Wanderers no. maybe, but Sydney FC, like, they were playing to the last game. Um, the players were playing for pride and contracts there, so I don't think they were exactly on the beach. I think there's a bit to build on at Brisbane and we'll, we'll talk about um, that and a, a lot of the other teams in our end-of-season review in a couple of weeks time but yeah i think i'm i'm actually feeling reasonably positive as a raw fan that there's a bit there to build on there's some key cogs that uh, are needed in the team namely a striker and a, a solid central midfielder but um yeah the the youths there and the building blocks are there what stage are they at in the in the process for the for the cup we're we're up to the round of thirty two now, so it's been okay. it's been all over the place because of COVID pauses and things, and it's just had to be completely reshuffled. So there's a, there's a bit to play for. Mm -hmm. There's a few a few rounds to go, and and they're at like all different sort of stages. There, yeah. Then the whole the whole competition's not all in one place at the moment. So, so that sounds very much like the A League this year. <laughs> yeah, we had some teams who had played like eight games, and some teams who had played fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's um let's chat a bit of A League now, Jesse. We'll um talk a bit of um uh, A League elimination finals. So uh, Adelaide have um, progressed through to the semi final after taking out the Mariners three one. Craig Goodwin, Damo's boy, opened up the scoring, slotting past the keeper after gambling on a defensive error, taking it to 1-0 at halftime. Cassini Yangi looked to have wrapped it up at 2-0 from a pretty pinpoint delivery from Craig Goodwin again. Brilliant for him, but this was this incident that we were talking about before, Jesse, where there was um, apparently supposed to be a substitution. Nick Montgomery in the post-match came out and said they were trying to make a sub just before the Yangi goal. And, and also... 
querying why there, apparently the ref was changed last night and it's like it was a part-time ref that um, refereed this game. I actually didn't catch this during the game, but I heard his comments after the game. But do you think this is like the Mariners are a bit hard done by here or is it is this just a, a manager who's been knocked out in an elimination final speaking? I mean, is he auditioning for an own goal next week? Maybe just to keep the, uh, the, the managerial own goal tradition going. No, I think uh, I think the the thing about this game. I mean, I watched the second half, and I said to you before that it felt like a lot of the action because um, I got back um, and watched the second half, and I, I feel like a lot of the action was happening in the second half. And it don't. I think the Mariners were really in it, but that second goal looked like it was it had taken away from them. Then they got back in the game, and I just think that the fact that they did actually have a period there where it looked like they were going to equalize. And then that got ripped away from them at the end. Um, I think that 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 has an impact on the the, the feel in the Mariners camp afterwards, where they kind of like they had a chance for a while there, and then it blew out at the end. And you have to say, probably going to talk about it in a second, that the goalkeeper didn't cover himself in glory at the end there, unfortunately. Yeah, he didn't. And this is um, in contrast to the goalkeepers, the performances that we saw from the goalkeepers in the uh, the Wu Knicks game, which we'll talk about as well. But no, I agree with you, Jesse. Um, he was he was certainly wrong footed for the Bernardo goal to to seal it. Um, and yeah, you did feel for the the Mariners because that was the dagger that goal, and they were just you know the Adelaide were just weathering the storm, and the Mariners looked like they might jag one and take it to extra time at this stage. Um, and I was feeling pretty vindicated that we'd planned on allowing a little bit of extra time before the podcast started. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but it wasn't to be. But what a season for the Mariners! Um, back-to-back finals. Um, they didn't drop off after losing Stajic. Their, their captain um, Bazanic towards the end of the season, like he had his head turned and was out of the team, and he was like, uh, you know, you'd say he was probably one of their best players, if not their best player, week in, week out. And then they just got a kid to fill his spot in midfield, um, Max Ballard, who looks to be a great player and will have clubs interested in him next season. Um, they had the same amount of points as the the season before under Stajic, um, with a better goal difference. They finished slightly lower, but um, they lowered they lowered the cum dog. They lured the cum dog um, for the memes, um, and some people think he's actually a really great player too. Um, we've got a question um, from a Manusview92 on Twitter about Max Ballard. Um, could he be a replacement for Connor Metcalf at Melbourne City? Well, it would be peak Melbourne City just to pick him up just when he's starting to get some traction at a, another club. I mean, maybe. I mean, I, do you think that's a, a bit soon for him, though? Do you think he, he needs another season to... to? I mean, because the thing about... Unless he's guaranteed first first team football mm. week in week out at City, I feel like he'd be better off playing in a team where he's going to get ninety minutes every week. Absolutely, that's what you'd be telling him if you're his agent, wouldn't you? But um, yeah, you've seen players turned by um, you know slightly bigger, slightly longer contract or something like that. Like a lot of factors that go into it at this level. I, I wouldn't be surprised if if a club like City wanted to snap him up, but. As to whether he'll be a replacement for Connor Metcalf, I, I yeah, don't I think I'd like to see a bit more of him first. And I don't know that he's necessarily there in terms of his development yet. But mm. yeah, he looks the goods. And I noticed that in the, the basically the first game that we saw him, he was he was um eye-catching right from the start. Adelaide, though, they're through. Um they they were eye-catching as well. And um they've they've been pretty good all season and they've they've come home with a wet sail, as Tommy would say. 
Um, question from Marty McFly on Twitter, at Marty McFly. Um, are Adelaide United the most respected A-Leagues club by neutrals? They've got a clear identity, a great youth program, strong organisational structure, i.e. technical director, and they put Western Sydney Wanderers to shame. Um, they've got a great stadium and loyal fans. What do you think, Jesse? Remember we called it the A-League Anfield a, a, a number of <laughs> odds ago, and I sort of still stand by that. They, they're they proud of their team. They they turn up in, in, in droves every week, and usually we say the same thing about them is that, you know, we don't support the club, but we think they're a good club. And I think just uh, it might be recency bias, but I think the, the way that they played tonight as well, like it was enjoyable to watch. Like I, I think the Mariners played their part in that game as well. They threw... They threw a bit of attacking football back at them too, so it made for an enjoyable spectacle. But I, I felt like they were Adelaide were good to watch um, from what I saw today, and you know I, I'm always a supporter of good football, um, and I think that if that's their identity, then that's easy to it's easy to get behind them. Yeah, he's certainly got a point. Um, I don't know whether they're the most respected A League's club. Um, there, there are certainly a few clubs that have um, that have got a, a place in a lot of neutrals' hearts. Um, but they'd, they'd certainly be up there like, um, you know, the, the Mariners, uh, they, they, they definitely do them for loyal fans as well. Long-suffering loyal fans of the Mariners um, have turned up week in, week out, despite their club just being trash for years. They produce a lot of young talent out of their academies as well. City Academies are very, is very good, um, as is Wanderers. Um, and then you, you talk about the support and the way clubs are run. Um, you know, hard to go past Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC in that regard as well. But Adelaide would would definitely be up there, uh, and they'll go on to play Melbourne City in the semi final. Mm. Um, talking about the the other final now, Jesse um, from Saturday night, Wu taking on your Knicks, uh, and they they did them one nil. Um, they struck early through Priovic, um, great goal, uh, and then just managed out the game basically. Seeing seeing out Wellington, they had who had a lot of possession. Put the ball into the woo box time and time again, but ultimately couldn't get the breakthrough. Ollie Sale made a few cracking saves to keep the Knicks in it, um, and they went close uh, when Piscopo hit the crossbar from range, but it ultimately finished one nil to the woo. Jesse, what did you make of the Knicks' performance? It's unfortunately the same story um, as it is most years with with the Knicks, um, at least under and Tale, like. Plenty of great things to say about them. Plenty of great things to say about their resilience and their. Um, I know they've had some 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 pastings this season, but aside from that, they've also showed a lot of character and played really well and kept some pretty good teams out of the finals um, to get into the finals, away from home again um, for another year. So plenty of great things to mm-hmm. say about them. But I think if you if you want to call a spade a spade, I mean in this game. The hardest thing I think as a football fan is when you feel like your team's never going to score, mm. and and I had that feeling from I guess even before half time, but certainly in the second half after it got about yeah. past the fifty minute mark, I just felt like we were never going to score, and it, that yeah. that feeling is it's tough to watch because you have lots of possession and you're doing lots of good things, and the you can't say that your players aren't showing some some um effort they were they were winning the ball back and then they were pressing back up but just that end product and ability to actually make penetrative passes the woo for all their defense occasionally would hit them on the break and they looked more dangerous in transition than the wellington often looked all night um but 
it has to be said that the keeper um, for for the Wu had a, a had a huge game because the the few times that Wellington did get a, ch- a shot on target, um, he just kept all of them out. So I was well, like, you, some, you you were talking about how good Jamie Yag was in the group chat, and I was just like, in the heat of the moment, I wanted to say, fuck Jamie Yag. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're not ideal timing. Wow, that's a good save. I was like, fuck um, that that guy just honestly like he was an absolute thorn. Yeah. But um, that, yeah, that was the Knicks' other great chance in this game um, in the second half that headed towards the far post and just kept out by the, the clutchest of saves by Jamie Young to keep the woo ahead. Like this was one of the better saves that I think I've seen this season. Um, and we've, we've come to expect that from Jamie Young, very classy keeper. Raw fans have been saying it for years. Um, but it just made me think, who, who, who would be, and I'm not talking form here, I'm just talking like, ability who, who are your top three keepers in the league because we've, we've got some good ones and, and we've had some form fluctuations but um there are some there's some pretty decent keepers going around i think that from a from from a kiwi bias kind of perspective i think that sale has played pretty well and i i think that he's had a great season so i think he's in there um and i think that you can't like sit not just on last night's performance but you can't deny that young was just so important for his team like it's all well and good um shutting out a team for 60 70 odd minutes but your keeper has to have a blinder and he did so but it's the third one that i think is a bit tricky for me cole so i think that well yeah you'd have your giddy i think from the from the mariners he didn't cover himself in glory Mm. um tonight but you i think you'd have him um on ability um he he could be playing for a bigger better club but um you know, as it is, he's been um, the Mariners has been a really good fit for him. It's sort of revived his career in a way, um, yeah. And he's he's just been outstanding this season. So I think I think he'd be the third for me. But um, Ollie Sale and Jamie Young would would definitely be the other two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's looking like um, Uffy's going to stay at the um, the Knicks another another season because he's not going to be managing the Mac Bulls as he was rumored to be. So that that will be that will be good for the Knicks. Yeah, you happy with that? Yeah, I mean, I've got mixed feelings on this because I think that he's done a great job with the squad and he's, as long as he's there, and I mean, I don't think it's just him. I think the the, the back, the board and the the people behind the scenes are doing a great job at bringing youth through and the club's got a bit of a, a identity now. So I think there's a lot of good things happening at the Phoenix. But I think with him, Damo said once that, you know, if plan A doesn't work, then just do plan A better is kind of his, um, his Talley's kind of way of doing things. And I've, It doesn't I've, seem super adaptable, yeah. And I see us get knocked out of, I've seen us get, you know, get to good levels in a competition, like get to elimination finals or get to a, um, a certain level in the cup. And just when the, when the going gets tough and we go behind by a goal, we just can't seem to break teams down. And that position is all well and good, but there's got to be a, an ability to change us, um, change our shape and change the strategy. And I don't think he's really shown that recently. So I think it's fair when the dust settles once we've acknowledged that he did have a good season to also have a bit of critique as well and actually acknowledge that I think he has to do a bit of improving on his side as well. Yeah. And I think for this game, like I just don't understand why the game plan was to fizz balls into the box against like Leo Lacroix and Tomoki Amai. The A-League the like, Van Dyke. Yeah. We are just like, that's their bread and butter, that team, just having balls fizzed into the box and defending that. So I just don't understand why that was the the plan. But, um, 
Eloisi was just grinning at one point, which it made my blood boil. I think it was like the 80th minute or so. And he was so relaxed with how the game was panning out that the cameras. Well, he should have been. Yeah. It was like, there was just no threat. The Knicks had all the ball and all the possession uh, and, and like, we're just fizzing it into the box, but there was just no threat. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of the semifinals and what we've got coming up, you've got the Woo now playing Melbourne victory away question mark. Uh, at Amy Park on Tuesday, uh, the 17th of May. And then at uh, this is a home game uh, on the way back for the VUC. So they're two, they're going to be two legged semi finals. So the VUC will have a home game on Saturday, 21 May at Amy Park. <laughs> Adelaide, meanwhile, will um, take on Melbourne City uh, on Wednesday at Coopers. So they're, they're, they're going to back up at Coopers. Um, and then they'll be at Amy um, at 2 p.m. on Sunday, the 22nd of May. Jesse, how much? of an impact does this new two-legged fixture have in your opinion? Does it benefit any one team more than the others? And and what do you think about it? Well, I would have thought that they would have been tempted to take one of them to Geelong, but I mean, uh, obviously these are the guys that are making the decisions, but uh, it, it just feels ludicrous to have a two-legged semi-final at the same venue. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm still, I'm still a little bit shook from that, to be honest. Uh, whereas you've got other teams who are, are genuinely actually going to another state to play. So uh, I don't think that's particularly fair, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, so I think, um, like, Adelaide will get a real advantage out of this as compared with the Woo. So I think the Woo were probably the most disadvantaged out of this because I think it'll really feel like two home games for Melbourne victory, whereas mm-hmm. Adelaide have the chance at least to have that first game in front of their home fans. Obviously, I think the way they've set it up is to advantage the teams, um, to advantage Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory, who rightly finished one and two on the ladder. So they get to play the the second leg at home, which is, you know, supposed to be more advantageous in these two-legged ties. So I can understand that. Um, but, yeah, Adelaide will at least get a proper home game. So uh, I think the Woo have it all to do. Um who do you, who do you think people should be keeping their eye on? Anyone stand out to you from the the Woo or Adelaide or um, anyone you want to shout out from the Vuck or Melbourne City? I think based on on the results we've just seen on the weekend, I think first of all it's important to acknowledge that I think we've probably got the right teams um, left yeah. in the competition. So I think that those look like great semifinals, and it should be cracking to watch. Uh, as far as who to watch, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I think, I mean, I was really impressed with Adelaide tonight and the idea that they could uh, give a bit of a shake-up to City is exciting. Um, so I'll be I'll be keeping a good eye on that fixture. I think that with the Woo and, and the Vuck, like, I think you just kind of feel like the Woo are going to do the same thing if they can get up early and, um, you know, the A-League's Latin scores an early goal and then they'll just try and do the same thing over and over again. So... It's not as enjoyable to watch. I feel like the A League City game could be more. There could be more fireworks, but I guess we have to wait and see. Yeah, I think people should be keeping their eye on Craig Goodwin, Damo's boy, like just in crazy solid form. Um, pinpoint crosses into the box. Like if you had him playing for the Knicks, they would have scored a couple of goals against the Woo. I think with that kind of service, um, and can obviously score goals in his own right as well so he's a you know huge threat um the vuck obviously you've got d'agostino's in great form um their their whole team's basically humming at the moment so 
they're a threat. I'd, I'd have your eye on that game and, and them, um, and that will be an interesting one as well because, as you say, the Woo could just jag something and, and frustrate the lights of victory, particularly given that it will be like a, an away game for the Woo in both of those. So a good way to silence the crowd is just to to kill the rhythm of the game and and to uh, hit them on the break and, and jag a goal, and that's that's probably what the Woo's game plan will be. So um, th- that will be a really interesting tactical one to watch. But Adelaide, Melbourne City, um, hopefully should be pretty expansive, um, nice football to watch. So um, we've got two very interesting semifinals to look forward to. Um, any any predictions, Jesse? Who, who do you think is going to go through to the grand final? Oh, it's so tough. I mean... I kind of feel like victory is going to go through, um, even though, you know, it's always going to be at pains for me to say, but I think that they will. The other fixture is the one that's a bit trickier for me to pick. I think that we could see a bit of a shock at the Adelaide League, but whether or not they can hang on to that, going to, to Melbourne would be another question. So I can't really pick that second fixture, but I think the first one, I think the, the Vic might just edge it. I mean, a, a Melbourne City grand final would be very, very tasty. So, be, particularly with all a, the build-up and, yeah. A lot of Wonderwall played, a lot of Seven <laughs> Nation Army. I mean, the, the, the artists, you know, the original artists for those songs would just be absolutely lapping it up. Well, particularly with the victory just coming into such hot form, their fans are really, like, starting to feel a bit confident again, you know, trying to bust into City games and... And just to see their them heartbroken by their biggest rival um, question mark, um, their biggest rival um, at, on the biggest stage this league has to offer, I, I think that could be quite the spectacle. Mm. Coming up next, we'll talk a bit of Premier League and Championship chat. Jesse, we didn't get a lot of Premier League. Um, this weekend, we'll, we'll get some later tonight. Yeah, we, not, not a lot to talk about. There's there's two match days remaining. Which matches of the remaining ones are you looking forward to the most? Well, I, Burnley, I know you're really keen for Tottenham Burnley tonight. You, you're telling me you've been telling me all week, Colby, make sure you finish this pod before 9, 9 p.m. <laughs> Got to see the, the kickoff from, for the Tottenham Burnley game. Well, I can't wait for, you know, whatever we say to immediately age like milk. Um, once this podcast goes up. <laughs> before <we're, laughs> before this podcast is even released. Yeah, because we're talking like half an hour away from uh, Spurs Burnley. No, I think this I think this is an exciting this is an exciting night of football. I think it's exciting. I mean, particularly for Australian um the East Coast time. I mean, I know it's still eleven o'clock, but um, you know, RIP my friends in New Zealand who have all got this happening at, at one AM um they it's a bit trickier for them to watch this, but this to is, watch football, yeah but this is great for us i mean we're gonna see i mean what is it you've got one game about to start and then you've got one two three four five i think it's five fixtures all at uh all at 11 o'clock tonight and a couple of those are delicious ones like west ham and city i think i think the tottenham burnley game is particularly interesting because of spurs have the opportunity to to one-up arsenal um, ahead of Arsenal's game. So Arsenal's obviously still leading by a point, but uh, psychologically they can really put up a stamp down. And the the side note on this game, of course, is that Son's trying to win the golden boot. So uh, let's just say that that could be uh, an interesting start to the weekend. But, I mean, the, the other games, unless you play FPL, uh, aren't particularly noteworthy. I mean, I guess Leeds, 
because whatever happens in that Leeds game could have quite a bit of a say at what happens next. I mean, Burnley could get flogged and if Leeds can get a result, which is not particularly likely, likely but if they could, um, that would make it interesting going into the final day. I mean, I think this is just the FA Cup is really throwing a, a cat amongst the pigeons as to what this round means because, I mean, now we're likely to see a highly rested Liverpool game. Um, now, because um, Spurs won last week, you know, you're going to see a, a hell of a game with Newcastle versus Arsenal on Tuesday. I think this round is going to be uh, particularly exciting, mainly because of the absolute chaos of injuries and people with, um, pe people having to play every three days. And it's just going to be a little bit chaotic, I think, until the, the, the final match day. Well, and I suppose the next time we'll be talking about Premier League on this podcast is um, we'll be doing a pod after the final match day. So yeah. uh, this yeah. is your last chance to, to talk about any of these games. So it's not just the games that are, that are happening tonight, uh, Australian time, but but also the final match days. So have you got any bold predictions you, you care to share with us, Jesse? How's it all going to end up? I mean, <laughs> I, I've kind of I've kind of resigned myself to the from the Liverpool side of things in the sense that just once we drew with Spurs, I didn't think it was going to happen. And also the goal difference is just absolutely outrageous. But the only thing that gives me a little bit of hope that we, we might have a bit of interest, at least going into the final day, is, is this West Ham game. Because West Ham have to win to, to stay in Europe. They've got Noble's last game. There's narratives everywhere you look. Um, but you've also got City who've got a few of their defenders out. They're, they've actually got pretty much their last standing defence at the back there. So there's no doubt that their attack is fantastic. But um, whether or not West Ham can exploit the the sort of makeshift centre-back pairing of, I think it's probably going to be Ake and Rodri. Oh, um, and Fernandinho is not, um, not there either. So they're going to probably have Gundogan at, at, um, at CDM. So they're not at full strength and that didn't matter last week when KDB decided to take matters into his own own hands. But um, I just hope that that I, I just love to see West Ham get a result just for the, the fact that we would actually see a bit of excitement going to the final day, because if, if city win the final day, the, at least the title race will be completely done at the other end of the table. Uh, that's where it's really, really interesting to see how these Everton games are going to go because Leeds, if they get a result tonight, if Burnley, scrape a point which is unlikely these are unlikely um, outcomes but that will keep Everton interested if that happens and Everton really really need to make sure that they get a result at least their first game of the week so um that relegation battle could go to the final day as well absolutely and um who, who's going down Jesse next time we hear you on the podcast when we're when we're all wrapping up the final match day who's it going to be you know what, like, I feel like I would have said Burnley a week or two ago, but I just think Leeds is just, they're just sinking like an absolute submarine at the moment. Like, it's just, and they're getting red cards and they're losing their players and I don't even know what kind of a team's going to turn out against Brighton. So, I, 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 amazingly, Burnley could survive again. Um, and they were the ones that I thought were going to go down. So, anything can happen. I never doubted them. Everton are just going to get away with it, I think. But it's out of Leeds and Burnley, I think. And I think, unfortunately for Leeds, I just don't know if they're going to get anything from these last games. They've got harder opponents. Burnley at least have got Newcastle, I think, on the final day where they might better get something from it. Whereas out of the next few games that Leeds are playing, I don't know where they get their points. And just before we wrap up, Jesse, uh, it occurred to me that we've already 
talked about the FA Cup, but um, we've got a bit of championship chat. Uh, we were meant to have Damo on the pod tonight. Had a bit of a calendar scheduling mishap, I would say, but um, we'll, we'll talk about it anyway. Um, we, we're through to the playoffs. It's all getting interesting in the championship. Um, and Damo's Sheffield United are right there in the mix. They've played the first leg. Um, but unfortunately, they are um, a goal down to Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest got up 2-1, um, you know, away for Nottingham, so at home to Sheffield as well, so in that first leg. So Sheffield with it all to do in the second leg. The other leg is Luton and Huddersfield, and that was a one-all draw at Luton. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if it's not going to be Sheffield, um, well, we won't count them out yet, but um Let's just say Sheffield are who you'd most prefer to see go back up to the the Premier League. If it's not Sheffield, who out of those teams would you most like to see um, go back up? Well, consider Huddersfield last because I've absolutely <laughs> no interest no interest in seeing Huddersfield <laughs> again. Uh, I, then I mean, if if Forest get through past the Blades, which you know, let's hope, let's hope for Damo's sake that doesn't happen. But if they do. I think a lot of people want to see Forrest back in the in the Premier League. It's been so long, uh, and I know that's not you know a justification. They've got to get there on merit. So if they get there, they'll deserve it. Um, but uh, I think Forrest, um, the the feel good story apart from Forrest would be Luton because mm. they just have no right to be there. But there's also a part of me which is just kind of like you're going to get absolutely flogged. Um, in the Premier League and you know like you might be happy to be there for a season but you could just go absolutely tanking back down to the championship in a worse state so I I kind of have my mixed mixed feelings about that one yeah I was reading a stat the other day that the value of their squad was like 1.5 million pounds in total and Damo was telling us Damo was telling us it was because they've got a lot of their players out on loan but still that is just a ridiculous number yeah, it's incredible. Like, I mean, obviously it'd be an incredible story, but it's like, it's kind of like when you have those teams that go really deep into a tournament, make the final, and you just like, you're just going to get destroyed in the final. I think there'd you know, be A-League teams that are worth more than Luton Town. Yes, you're not probably not wrong. Yeah. Wild, absolutely wild. If, if also, just a side note on, side note on them, probably in a way ground or that you'd need to go and see sometime because um, that, that's the ground that they famously, you, you climb behind people's houses to get in. <laughs> it's like people take photos as they're about to go into the ground and it's just people's backyards like there's some yeah someone i'm sure damo could explain it better but I'm, they're pretty much there's like a stairway that goes behind a number of just old brick houses and it's basically residential housing as you walk into the ground so that seems like a bit of an experience if you go to watch a game there well you'll either be seeing them in the premier league or in the championship um if you're if you're heading there next year but um we'll we'll wait and see what the result of that is and we'll be looking at that next week we'll also be looking at the a-league semi-finals and we'll be covering the final match day in the premier league but that's all we've got time for today get around us on the socials which we link to in the notes to this podcast but uh, in the meantime enjoy the football 